Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. you and I really and truly love the Lord Jesus, it's going to make a difference in our life. It's got to make a difference in our life. It's going to make a difference in how we talk, how we respond, how we act, the focus of our life, the direction of our life, the very purpose of our lives are changed when we come to Christ. And the greater our love for Christ, the greater that change is in our life. Because the more we love Him, the less we're holding on to the things of this world. So my real question today is, what about you? Where is your love? Where's the focus of your love? Where's the focus of your passion, your your direction of life? Paul routinely faced rejection, persecution, and pain for spreading the news of the gospel. Yet he understood the magnitude of the power and hope of salvation for all people. He desired to preach the gospel wherever it wasn't known. He knew the transforming power that belief in Christ will have in your life. When you love the Lord, as Pastor David reminds you today, you'll desire to serve and obey Christ no matter the cost. God's desire is that all come to a saving faith in Christ. God will work mightily through faithful believers. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he continues his message of faithful persistence. Anytime, every time, from wherever you go, when you go to Jerusalem, you always go up to Jerusalem. When you leave Jerusalem, anytime, wherever, whatever direction you go, when you leave Jerusalem, you go down from Jerusalem. It's not necessarily a topographical uh, description, not a geographical description. It is definitely a theological description according to the Jews. You always go up to Jerusalem, and when you leave Jerusalem, you go down from Jerusalem. Paul saluted the church there. He saluted the, the church leaders, the other apostles that were there in Jerusalem. And then when he left Jerusalem, it says that he went down to Antioch. And Antioch was actually almost directly north of Jerusalem. This is now the end of Paul's second missionary journey. Luke introduces the third missionary journey in kind of a, a, a brief way. Uh, he actually covers a whole lot of territory in the next couple of verses. And it would seem that uh, Luke, as he's speaking about that, not much was going on in those cities on the way. He finally gets to Ephesus, and later on, we spend some time there in Ephesus and what God's doing there. But look at verse 23. After he had spent some time there, after Paul had spent some time in Antioch, his home church, he then departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia. Now that's the whole Asian area, the areas that he had gone over before in his first missionary journey and in his second missionary journey. No doubt, even as it says here, he was strengthening all the disciples, stopping at these other churches at least for a while. You look at a guy like the Apostle Paul, 
and you see a man there that is moved by the power of God. Paul was an intelligent man. There's no doubt about that. Paul was a driven man. There's no doubt about that. We see that even when persecuting the church. I mean, nothing was going to stop the apostle Paul. That's just the kind of guy that he was. But you know what? He could have lived out his entire Christian life making a great impact on the city of his birth, and that was Tarsus. Or he could have been there in Jerusalem, the very birthplace of the church, where all the other apostles were, and he could have made a big impact on the church there in Jerusalem. He had been in Antioch of Syria for a while. As a matter of fact, Barnabas had gone and gotten Paul and said, hey, come help me, man. The church is growing. I need some assistance here. He could have stayed there in Antioch of Assyria and made a great impact for the Lord there in Antioch of Syria. But that wasn't God's call on his life. God had called Paul to leave the comforts of home, the familiarity of his own culture, and go to places where the gospel needed to be spread. And Paul was moved by his love for the Savior, by the power and the Spirit of God within his own life, that again, he continued to go as the Lord led him. As a matter of fact, we read later, he writes to the church in Corinth. And in that letter to the church in Corinth, he says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul was not a guy that would sit on his hands or keep his mouth closed in whatever area that he would come and not speak of the gospel. I believe that the Spirit of God was so powerful within his life. Every place that he went, every situation he came into, Paul looked for opportunities to be able to share the hope that's found in the forgiveness of sin that's offered by God through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. He could have stayed in comfort and in ease, but far outside of his own perceived safety, Paul continued to move forward as the Lord led him. As a matter of fact, he tells the church in Rome, he writes in Romans 15, and so I've made it my aim, my personal aim, to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it's written, to whom he uh, was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Paul says, I'm not going to sit around, literally, I'm not going to sit around with a bunch of other Christians. I'm going to go where the word of God has not been proclaimed. I'm going to go and I'm going to make a difference in people's lives who've never heard the gospel before. The Holy Spirit leading him, absolutely. But it was also Paul's love for the Lord Jesus and his understanding that men and women everywhere need to hear that reality of salvation through Christ. He traveled and he ministered to people a variety of ethnicities, a variety of cultures, those that some that had been raised up in religion, some that had no concept of religion or any foundation at all. Why? Because of his love and his compassion for the Savior and because he was that close to Christ, that same love that Christ has for the world was flowing through Paul in order that he might minister that truth to others. 
As a matter of fact, he writes to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter three. He says, there's no difference among those that God calls to himself. All people are the same. He writes, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It did not matter the ethnicity. It did not matter the culture. It did not matter the background. It did not matter the history, the events of life. Paul says, when you come to Christ, you are one in Christ. Similarly, he wrote to the church of Colossia. He says, you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. In other words, what he's saying, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your family. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter anything. When you and I come to Christ, we put on a new man, a new woman, uh, well, as the case may be, uh, a, a new person. We, and it is made in the image of God. That's why we can look around at each other. We shouldn't see the differences of culture. We shouldn't see the differences of ethnicity. We shouldn't see the difference of economy or background or life history. We see one another as a great and a new creation in Christ Jesus. He says... In him we were created, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. Christ is all and in all. If he was from the south, he would have said, Christ is all and in you all. Okay. The same message he wrote to the church of Ephesus, the same message he wrote to the church in Rome, he, the same message he wrote to the church in Corinth, again, that those who are in Christ, we are one in him. Paul was so evidently moved by the Holy Spirit in his life that nothing else in his life mattered at all. How do we know that? It's what he wrote to the church in Philippi. To the church in Philippi in chapter three, he says, whatever things that were gain for me, these things I counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish, one version says, I count them as dung. And if you uh, have a hard understanding of what dung is, go out to one of our dairies. You'll find out what dung is really quick. I count them as dung that I may gain Christ, that I might be found in him. Paul said there's nothing else in this world that matters to me as much as Jesus Christ matters to me. He was utmost in his life in his thoughts, in his focus, in his plans, and in his purposes. And because of that, God used him in an awesome and a mighty way. But you know what? Paul was an individual just like we are. But he knew what his priorities. He had a 
faithful persistence that caused him to continue to follow hard after Christ. And he wasn't doing it on his own strength. He was driven literally by the intenseness of his love for the Savior and the work of the Holy Spirit within his life. And when Paul came to Christ, his focus on everything changed. He no longer focused on the things of the world. He no longer focused on the divisions and the hatreds and the prejudices of the world. He no longer focused even on his own comfort or his ease. His focus was on Christ. And because his love for the Savior was so true, that focus continued to remain right. He persevered. He persevered in the midst of trials. He, he, he persevered in the midst of tribulations. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he persevered in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times he received 40 stripes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Uh, he was stoned and, and left for dead. Three times he suffered shipwreck. He spent a night and a day in the deep, floating on the ocean, waiting to be rescued or to find the coastline. In journeys, he says, often he was in perils of water. He was in perils of robbers. He was in perils of his own countrymen as the Jews came against him. He was in perils of the Gentiles as the Gentiles came against him. In perils in the city, I was in perils in the wilderness. He was in perils in the city. He was in perils among false brethren. He was in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He was let down even by a basket outside of a window when he was in Damascus. And that was the very beginning of his ministry. Listen, did anybody ever tell you that when you became a Christian, all of your troubles are going to be gone? If they did, they lied to you. And all you have to do is look at the Apostle Paul. It doesn't mean that you're now secure and, and protected from all troubles in the life. No, it means that your heart now has a new focus. That even in the midst of those trials, in the midst of the situations of life, you have a focus not on the circumstances that surround you, but you have a focus and a heart's determination, a faithful persistence to follow hard after Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, laying aside every sin that so easily besets every one of us and pressing into that race that's set before us. Paul persevered. Why? Because he loved Jesus more than he loved himself. Because he loved Jesus more than life itself. And because of that love, he wanted to please his Savior. And because he wanted to please his Savior, he became a vessel that his Savior could use in a powerful way. Was he perfect? No. Paul would be the first one to let us know he was not perfect. As a matter of fact, he tells the church in Philippi in, in chapter three, he says, not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfected, but I do press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have already apprehended 
but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I reach forward, I reach forward to those things which are ahead, and I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was a man who continued to press forward. And even as I've shared with you guys many times, man, when you fall, when you stumble, when you, life comes at you, don't fall backwards. Fall forward. I believe that Paul was a forward guy even in his failings. He didn't allow even his weaknesses or his failings to keep him away from pleasing the Savior that he loved so much within his life. As we'll continue on in the book of Acts in the following weeks, we're going to find out one thing. Paul never really slows down. He doesn't slow down at all unless he's forced to slow down. As again, they, they bring him in chains and they imprison him once again. On his third, this final missionary journey, Yeah, he gets a chance to visit many churches still, but there's also the opportunity that he has to speak with governors and kings of the region. As a matter of fact, the Lord would even allow him to take the message of the hope of salvation all the way to the center of the Roman Empire, to Rome itself. But you got to understand, those voyages that he took, those weren't pleasure voyages. Those weren't easy cruises with all the food you can eat anytime you want to eat it during the day. No, that wasn't. No, he went as a prisoner. He went bound in iron chains. And even in the midst of those trials, his own viewpoint was, no, I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm not a prisoner of any man. Because he knew that, again, the Lord had complete control over his life. And whether it be in prison or in freedom, in want and need, or in abundance. Paul says, man, I've just learned to be content. Why? Because he knew that God was over his life. And that allowed him to keep persevering, keep moving forward, even to the end of his life. In time uh, here on the earth, Paul could honestly write, to Timothy. Timothy, that, that young pastor, his young friend, a protege, a, a co-laborer together in the work of Christ. He writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. At the end of his days, Paul, because of his persistence, because of his faithfulness, not because of his perfection, understand persistence is a whole different word than perfection. Paul was persistent And in that persistence, at the end of his days, he could write to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. How many of us would not want to have that on our tombstone or as the epitaph of our life? He says, finally, There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. He says, oh, but not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing, to all those who love the Lord. You know, when you and I really and truly love the Lord Jesus, it's going to make a difference in our life. It's got to make a difference in our life. It's going to make a difference in how we talk, how we respond, how we act, the focus of our life, the direction of our life, the very purpose of our lives are changed when we come to Christ. 
And the greater our love for Christ, the greater that change is in our life. Because the more we love him, the less we're holding on to the things of this world. So my real question today is, what about you? Where is your love? Where's the focus of your love? Where's the focus of your passion, your your direction of life? Are you pressing into Jesus or are you pressing into the things of this world? And I'm talking to you as believers. As I look around here, most of you are familiar faces. Most of you I know claim Faith in Jesus Christ. But in that faith in Christ, do you really and truly love the Savior above all else? Do you look forward to that time when you'll be in the very presence of the Savior? Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready and and, and, and able to believe that you're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in to your father's rest. Question is, is, are you truly in love with Jesus or just the idea of having a savior? Did you come to him for a fire escape from hell? Or did you come to him because you saw the greatness of his love and you could do no else? Does he save from hell? Yes, praise God, he does. But beloved, if that's all your relationship with Christ is, I believe according to God's word, it is insufficient. Insufficient. Jesus' words to us was, unless you're willing to die, You're not going to be my disciple. You're looking back at the world and wondering, man, maybe I should have stayed in the world. You're not really worthy to be my disciple. Jesus said, unless you take up your cross daily, and that's an instrument of death, guys. That's not a beautiful little silver medallion you wear around your neck. Unless you're willing to take up your cross daily and follow him. Have you come to Christ because you know the love of the Savior and you want him to be a part of your life? Or have you come simply as the the choice of heaven or hell? Who wouldn't choose heaven? I see so many evangelistic movements in the world today. They say hundreds or thousands have come to Christ. I wonder, is the invitation, how many of you are ready to die today? How many of you are ready to lay your life completely aside in order that Christ would live in you? How many of you are ready to turn your back on the things of this world and have your heart and mind focused on Christ? If you're ready for that, he's ready to receive you. But I believe that all too often the question is, how many want to go to heaven? How many want to have your sins forgiven? Well, sure, who wouldn't want to have their sins forgiven? But how many are truly ready to give it all in order that Christ would be your all in all? Guys, unless you think that I've apprehended it, that I'm there in everything, it's also still that struggle of realizing, no, there's nothing in this world that is worth separating me 
from my walk and my fellowship in Christ. Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.